What's cracking, big dogs? Welcome, bike, to the channel. Welcome, bike, to the headquarters. BDGE, big dogs, gotta eat fantasy football. My name is Nicholas. It's not Lasagna Del Rey, unfortunately. Yes, I'm wearing a hat. Big dogs, gotta eat daddy cap. Available in stores on bigdogsfantasy.com. Week two. It's week two of the football season. My rankings are out. They are alive and well. I don't know if they're well. They're, they're probably going to be trash, but they are out there on the interwebs. Patreon.com slash BDGE. Here's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at my rankings. We're going to see guys that I like a lot more than consensus. Guys I think should be in your lineups. They're probably questionable, maybe on the flex borderline sit start decision prompts. Okay. I'm going to tell you who I like, why I like them, and why y'all should like them. That's what this video is. We're going to go based off ECR, expert consensus ranking. So guys that I like more than most people in thy industry. What do you want, Steve? Okay. We could do a little bit of story time right now. If you uh, don't care about anything besides fantasy information, skip towards this time. If you want to listen to my story time, sit back, tuck your shirt in. Stop yelling and open your ear holes. So Steve just texted me. He said, there's no dine-in available. What's he talking about? What dine-in? We're going out to a restaurant? No, because there's a thing called COVID. You ever have one of those like inside jokes? I don't know if that's the right phrase for it with your friends where like, you know, they love something. So you like pretend to hate it and you just like buy into this narrative. And before you know it, like you're the, you're anti whatever that is. It's like an inside joke. So someone loves something or someone hates something and it becomes like part of their brand because they've bought into it and they put it on a pedestal and it's like become who they are, right? So I've been friends with Steve since we were in like seventh grade. And for whatever reason, he loves Red Lobster, the restaurant, the shitty establishment known as Red Lobster. He loves it. And he's been trying to get me to go since we were really young, like seventh, seventh grade. So for like the last three years. And he's always, you know, he'll text me randomly. It'll be like five days, six days without talking to each other. And he'll just be like Red Lobster tonight. And he knows like I've never gone with him in the 12 years that we've known each other. And in the beginning, when he first asked me, I was like, why do you want to go to Red Lobster? You know, like I, I didn't really care about it. But as he kept asking, I was like, dude, Red Lobster fucking sucks. Like we're never going to go to Red Lobster. You couldn't pay me money to go there. All their food is trash. Their establishment should probably be shut down. Right. Bankruptcy. Beautiful. That's how I envision Red Lobster being. And I would just say that to, to Steve all the time. And it would get him really pissed off because he loved it. And eventually he started liking it. He started loving it only because I pretended to start hating it. And it like moved the spectrum of our Red Lobster opinion, which shouldn't even be a fucking thing. I hate you. I love you. I hate that I love you. Don't want to, but I can't put nobody else above you. No one should care. Everyone should be indifferent about Red Lobster. I know the biscuits, whatever. Also, if you're going to fucking complain about timestamps, I don't give a shit. We're not putting timestamps on our videos. This is story time. This is family time. Watch all the minutes, okay? If you want to go get timestamps, go to the fucking post office, bring a watch, and then come bite to me. So Red Lobster, still have never gone to this day, except I probably went last night. If you're watching this Friday, I film it Thursday during the day. I was tagged in about 32 posts on Twitter. It was a tweet from Red Lobster. They came out with a new margarita. They call it the Dugarita, D-E-W. I, I don't imagine they spent much time in the uh, executive office, you know, brainstorming the name for that. But they came out with the Dugarita. And it's lime green because they use Mountain Dew in their margarita. 
And I'm like, you know, if you follow me on Instagram, I try to go to as many joints around the city. I'm in Manhattan if you're new to the channel and try their margarita and I rate it on a scale of one to 10. And this margarita in particular looks like it came from fucking outer space. It's like alien like, right? Because it's lime green. I'm like, I have to try that shit. Like, I feel like this will in itself give me personally superpowers. So I got tagged in it a bunch of times and I'm like, fuck, I'm, I'm stuck between a rock and a hard place. I'm stuck between Aaron Donald and I don't fucking know Aaron Donald and also Aaron Donald. What do I do? Do I give in to my hate for Red Lobster or do I fade the margarita? And I'm like, shit, I look at the margarita and I realize that the margarita tattoo I have on me is actually just a dugarita. People are always like, why is it so green? It's lime green. Like margaritas usually don't look like that. This whole time, none of us knew, myself included, that it was actually dugarita and I've been waiting for this right moment to pounce on it. So I'm going to Red Lobster tonight to watch Thursday Night Football to enjoy a Dugarita. If you're not following me on Instagram, go do so. It's right there. You can go see what my rating on the Dugarita is. So thank you to everyone on Twitter that tagged me in it. I'm really pissed that we got to go to Red Lobster. They got one in Times Square. And I don't think they do dine out. Like, I don't think you could sit outside the restaurant and do it. So I'm going to have to go to fucking New Jersey for the, the, the things I sacrificed for the love of the REIT is out of control. That's my story. It was a terrible one, but thank you for sticking around. I'm ready for some fantasy football shit if you all are. If y'all are, if yous are, I've already used my energy up on story time, but I've got more. I promise you that I'm ready to roll. So again, tuck your shirts in, stop yelling. Let's drink. All right. Some news and notes. And I realized I wrote this section, like thinking that this would be out on Thursday, but it doesn't come out on Thursday, so I don't know why. Geno Atkins is not playing for the Cincinnati Bengals, which opens up. It doesn't fucking matter. Y'all already watched the game. Chris Godwin enters the concussion protocol and is likely to miss this weekend's game. I will talk more about that in one of my favorite wide receiver fill-ins later on in the video. Miles Sanders practicing in full holly mother fucking Luyah. Now, I'll go on record here. I'm excited to have Sanders back on the field, but I'm not expecting a huge game from him. I'll be honest. I think we probably settle around 10 half PPR fantasy points, 11. I don't think they're going to give him a full slate of snaps coming off the injury, his first game bike. Plus, they're going against the Rams. And I really, really believe that Aaron Donald might set the single game record for sacks in this one. Possibly a single season sack record for Aaron Donald. So... I don't imagine they have much success running the ball up the middle in this one, but I'm just fucking excited to have Miles Sanders back. We'll get all into all of this and more as we progress through the video. The first running back I want to talk about is Mr. Jonathan Taylor, Indianapolis Colts. They're going against the Minnesota Vikings. Should come as a rather obvious one, but I'm getting a ton of flex questions about him. I believe right now he is ranked as my RB10, maybe my RB11 in my rankings. Again, available on patreon.com slash BDGE. They're out right now. Jonathan Taylor is an RB1 for me for the rest of the season. Marlon Mack is gone for the rest of the season. Minnesota's defense looked miserable. You want to talk about like the Green Bay cheeseheads. Minnesota did their best Swiss cheese impression with the running backs. With the def anyone on the Green Bay offense absolutely picked them apart. And we talk about Phil Rivers 
throwing to his running backs a lot. And it's not just it's not just Philip Rivers targets his running backs a lot, but if you go back and watch the game, they have a, an incredible amount of screenplays designed for their running backs. It's not just like Philip Rivers gets under pressure and then automatically dumps it off. They have a ton. They have entire packages. They have entire one of those books, the book on the bottom right there. That is what I had imagined the screenplay playbook looks like in Indianapolis. It's probably Philip Rivers is like he probably has it under his pillow. And no matter what team he's on, he brings it with him. Get a good night's sleep now. And don't even think about football. I want this. Because that's what we saw in L.A. last year. It's what we saw in Indianapolis in week one. So I don't think it's necessarily that Philip Rivers just loves targeting his running backs, which he does. But it's more so the fact that they have all these design plays for the running backs. So when we look at Jonathan Taylor's outlook, like not only is he going to be the first and second down guy and he's going to get the goal line work like we like Naeem Hines. And of course, he had a lot of red zone work, had some goal line work last week. That won't be the case going forward. Taylor's going to continue to get goal line work. Taylor's going to continue to be the one that scores the touchdowns from inside the five yard line. And now we know he's going to be involved in the passing game, which is beautiful. So he is a very, very easy RB1 that you need to have in your lineups week in, week out going forward. Minnesota's defense, a lot of turnaround over the summer. They lost a lot of guys. They got to put a lot of new faces into it. And uh, I think it made itself pretty clear that that was the case in week one. So we like Jonathan Taylor a lot this week in particular. We also like Ronald Jones a lot, man. He is my RB 17 or 18. ECR has him up at like RB 23 or 24. He looked damn good in week one, man. He looked damn good against a very stout New Orleans Saints run defense. He ran the ball 17 times for 66 yards, caught two passes for 16 yards. He had 74% of the running back opportunities in this Tampa Bay Bucks bike field. The Carolina rush defense, that's who they're playing against this week. Carolina with Chris Godwin likely out. They're going to have to rely on the ground game. They were just absolutely fathered by Josh Jacobs and the Raiders offensive line. Now we knew this going in. I talk about Josh Jacobs a lot this summer, and I was really excited about Josh Jacobs on the ground about this Raiders offensive line being very, very good. And it was just an, it was a disgusting mismatch. The Raiders offensive line versus the Panthers defensive line and just their front seven overall. The Panthers had the single lowest graded run defense per PFF in week one. And that shouldn't, again, come as no surprise. They lost half of their defense this offseason to retirement, to trades, whatever. And they spent their entire NFL draft on defensive picks. The entire thing. They are in big rebuild mode. They have Big rookie energy going on over there. That opens up Ronald Jones to blast off in this one. I think they are extremely comfortable giving the ball to Ronald Jones uh, another 17 to 18 times. And this time, he'll be a lot more efficient with those touches, right? The three-point whatever yards per carry he averaged last week is not a concern to me because he looked good doing it. And this is a Saints defense, again, that's very, very, very good. And now he gets to go against the Carolina Panthers, who are anti. Very, 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 very good. So, Ronald Jones this week should be set up for a really, 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 really nice game. I think he goes over 100 yards from scrimmage. I think he catches another two or three passes, and I think he probably gets into the end zone. And to be honest with you, I don't really hate Leonard Fournette's spot either. He's not someone that I'm comfortable throwing into my lineup just because of the lack of work that he got last week, as well as LaShawn McCoy getting like semi-involved and taking a lot of snaps in that backfield. I think Fournette is a reasonable flex play because they're going to run the ball a lot. The game script dictates that they're going to have a lead. And uh, I think just a lot of handoffs are going to go to both Ro Rojo and Leonard Fournette with Rojo leading Zy Pack. I also have Benny Snell on here. Man, watching Benny Snell 
and James Conner in their week one game, Monday Night Football against the G-Men. I know James Conner got hurt, but even before that, man, Benny Snell looks like if you took James Conner and you just click, you know the meme where you click like upgrade on the fucking computer? That's what it looked like with Benny Snell, right? There were reports all offseason of Benny Snell looking lean, looking fast, looking fresh, looking spry and bouncy. I'm just reading adjectives off my screen. That's what he looked like. James Conner looked the opposite. Then he sprains his ankle. And he did sit out practice on Wednesday. I'm not sure if there are any updates yet for Thursday's practice. But he is uh, at best 50-50. And regardless, I think that means Benny Snell is going to get a shit ton of carries in this one. And he looked good, man. 19 carries for, it was like 119 yards once James Conner went down. He absolutely dominated the snaps over Jalen Samuels in this one as well. So Benny Snell is someone that I'm, I'm excited to have in my lineup as a flex play because he's going to get the goal line work when he's in there. He's only got up to go when it comes to the passing work, right? If Benny Snell is taking the snaps that James Conner had, they don't all need to be designed throws to the running back. Like, yes, Jalen Samuels might play a little bit more of a role in the passing game, but a lot of the targets that James Conner got, he got like four targets before he left the game. Those are just early down plays. Those are not necessarily designed targets to James Conner. So Benny Snell will likely fit into that role. And I don't think James Conner is anything special in the passing game that Benny Snell can't uh, account for. So Benny Snell, I really, 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 really like against this Denver defense, which is stout, but I think they had the advantage against Henry. Well, one, they had to, they had to uh, you know, go against Derrick Henry's 31 carries. So they're probably a little bit beat up up the middle. But two, they were in Denver, man. That, that We talked about it last week, why I didn't like A.J. Brown, why I wasn't starting him um, last week, because first game in Denver, the opponents are not ready for that altitude. The opponents are not ready to be in shape. They're not in football form, especially with this offseason coming into it. Now, they've got to travel to Pittsburgh, relatively cross-country, and they are in Pittsburgh, dirty, dirty towels. That's not the right fucking terminology for it, but who gives a shit? Um, what the hell are the towels? What do they call the towels? I don't know. You, you'd think I'd do a podcast about football for a living, huh? I like Benny Snell. I like Benny Snell this week a lot. I also like Keenan Allen a lot this week, man, versus Kansas City. I have him as a top 10 wide receiver. I might move him down to like 11 or 12, but still a wide receiver one. ECR has him all the way down at wide receiver 22. I tweeted this out yesterday. Make sure, again, that you're following me on Twitter if you're not already, at Nick underscore BDGE. Keenan Allen's last three games versus Kansas City. 12 targets, 8 receptions, 78 yards, and a touchdown. 10 targets, 9 receptions, 82 yards, and a touchdown. 11 targets, 8 receptions, 108 yards, and a touchdown. Of course, things are very, 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 very different in L.A. right now with Tyrod there under center. The offense doesn't look good. They look like straight shit, but it's a pure volume play. I mean, you look back at last week and the game script was terrible for their passing game. They won the fucking game. They won the game, which is not even close to going to happen in this one. Tyrod Taylor threw the ball 30 times, just 30 times. Keenan Allen saw eight targets. So the volume was there. And the volume that's going to be there in week two against Kansas City is going to be like 1.5x what they had last week, okay? You look back at Phillip Rivers' splits. Over the last two years since Mahomes has been the quarterback in KC, the four games in which Phillip Rivers has been quarterback for the Chargers when they face KC, 47 pass attempts compared to 32 and a half against the other 31 NFL teams. He doesn't need to be more efficient. He doesn't need to be better the volume is going to be there for Tyrod and this entire passing offense, okay? So obviously week one was not the game you wanted to see if you invested anything into this passing offense from Tyrod down to Keenan Allen, down to Austin Eckler, right? The three most invested guys probably into this offense and the passing offense at, at least. Not what you wanted to see, but this is this is the bounce back. I think we get a really good game out of Keenan here tonight and then you could probably sell his ass.
Alan Lazard. Alan Lizard Lazard versus the Detroit Lions. The matchup don't get much juicier than this one. I have him up at wide receiver 32. ECR has him at wide receiver 49. So I have 17 spots on the experts, on the so-called supposed experts out there. Now, another tweet from myself. I am ayahuasca high. For you children out there, ayahuasca is a drug that gets you very, very, very high. This week, there is a good chance that Detroit is without their top three cornerbacks in week two. Now, I tweeted this out a few days ago before we had news about Jeffrey Okuda. Now, Jeffrey Okuda was their first round pick, number three overall, I believe. He missed week one, so he will be making his debut in week two, I believe. He's been at practice in full, but Justin Coleman, their slot cornerback, their top slot cornerback is on the IR. Desmond Trufant has been missing practice. He has a hamstring injury, so they will be without Justin Coleman. They will be without Desmond Trufant, and Jeffrey Okuda will likely be stuck on Devontae Adams. So we look at Alan Lazard. I, I talked about this a few times this week. Everyone's excited about Marquez Valdez-Scantling, but Alan Lazard was the wide receiver two in Green Bay. He played on 90% of their snaps. Devontae Adams was in on 92. So when they're in two wide receiver sets, it's Lazard and it's Devontae Adams. When it's three wide receiver sets, this is the good news. Lazard gets pushed into the slot. He ran 45% of his routes from the slot last week. I think we can all agree that Aaron Rodgers is bike. They are at home. I love playing guys, streaming quarterbacks, streaming defenses, anything at home. I don't care if the crowd is there or not there. It's the other psychological effects that you getting to sleep in your own bed, not having to travel for a day. All of these things add up being with your family, being able to take off from your house, you know, 30 minutes before you get to the stadium. It all matters. I love them playing at home. Detroit just allowed three passing touchdowns to Mitch Trubisky. One of them went to Anthony Miller. Anthony Miller went four for 76 and a touchdown against this Detroit defense. All of those numbers, all of those stats were entirely from the slot. Again, when they're in three wide receiver sets, Alan Lazard runs from the slot. I think everything adds up for a very... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Very, 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 very good game from the kid, Alan Lazard. Start him in your flex, start him in your wide receiver three roll, and let the points pile up. Scotty Miller. Scotty. Scotty does know, all right? Enough of this Scotty doesn't know bullshit. Scotty Miller against the Carolina Panthers. Now, this will boil down to 
whether or not Chris Godwin plays. We have Mike Evans nursing a hamstring injury. That's why he basically played as a a decoy for most of the game. And they came out and said, you know, we were conscious of not having Mike Evans run routes down the field. And that's a big part of Mike Evans's game, right? Like locking up those 30 yard catches, getting those deep bombs where he could sky over the cornerbacks. We didn't get those from Mike Evans. He's hampered. Chris Godwin, brutal concussion. None of the reports that have came out have been positive. I would be shocked if he came out and played on Sunday. I think we're going to be without Chris Godwin, which is very, 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 very good news for Scotty Miller. All right. Brady talked up Scotty Miller all offseason. That came to fruition in week one. When we look at his statistics, second on the team last week, behind only Godwin in targets. He had six receptions. He had five receiving yards, 73. He had the longest play of the day, 37 yards. If you look at Scotty Miller's profile, man, the kid is a baller. He's small. And you think of him as like the Julian Edelman type for Tom Brady, which is great. But he's way more explosive than Julian Edelman is. A 4-4-4, 40-yard dash. Agility scored in the 76th percentile. Absolute baller in college. And he played a lot last week, man. He ran just seven fewer routes than Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. And what was most surprising to me, and I think this is a positive thing, is the actual slot or the snap alignments between the three wide receivers. Godwin was in the slot for 67% of his snaps. Evans was out wide for 68% of his snaps. Scotty Miller was out wide for 86% of his snaps. So he was outside almost the entire game. You need to be more skilled as a wide receiver in the NFL to be able to play outside. In the slot, it's more about finding zones. It's not about creating your own mismatches. It's not about creating space and being really quick with your routes, et cetera, et cetera. If you have success on the outside, it tells me that you're probably a really good separator or a route runner. And Scotty being outside for most of those and, and producing at a high level like is all I need to know. Now, with Chris Godwin out, who I just said, you know, uh, was in the slot for 67% of his routes, what happens now? Does Scotty Miller get the easier matchups in the slot? Not that they need easier matchups because, again, they're going against the Carolina Panthers, who have probably the worst defense in the NFL. I think this is an upgrade for both OJ Howard and Scotty Miller. So if Godwin is out, which I expect him to be, Evans is probably limited. I mean, he might not be limited in this one. I would say he's probably going to be close to like 90, 95%. But I think Scotty Miller. Uh, he has to be like a top 30 or so wide receiver this week, assuming Chris Godwin is out. And I think, again, that makes OJ Howard a, a lot more uh, of an optimistic play because Gronk looks like he's Gronk literally looks like he's dead on the field. He is completely droppable, wasn't really draftable, but week one absolutely confirmed that. So OJ Howard, Scotty Miller. Now, I realize I didn't do a lot of sits this week. I'm more so just like talking about the guys that jump off the, the screen to me as, as guys that you need to have in your lineup. One sit I do have this week, and this will be an unpopular one. Same thing with my A.J. Brown pick of last week. But D.K. Metcalf, man, last year was shadowed three times. Now, the Patriots defense typically shadows opposing teams. They use man coverage. They have Gilmore line up somewhere, Jonathan Jones, you know, whatever. They have a lot of defensive backs that are very good, and they use a lot of man coverage. And I expect that to be the case with Lockett and DK Metcalf. Metcalf was, was shadowed three times last year. It was in weeks 14, 15, and 16. Patrick Peterson was one of the shadows. During that game against Pat Peterson, the shadow, DK Metcalf, DK Metcalf was targeted once, caught zero balls. He was shadowed against James Bradbury. He saw three targets, had one catch for 17 yards. He was shadowed by Jalen Ramsey. He went five for 69. So not a bad game, but as you can see, Jalen Ramsey is absolutely beatable. Uh, Amari Cooper kind of trashed his ass last week. 
but overall, it, it's more bad news than it is good news. And I think that we'll probably see Stefan Gilmore on DK Metcalf. That's what I think. And there ain't no way, ain't no fucking way DK Metcalf is outbodying Stefan Gilmore, the former defensive player of the year. If you look at Metcalf, he's still not a very nuanced wide receiver. For as fun as he is, explosive, and like, if I'm a Seahawks fan, I'm fucking ecstatic to have him on my team. I like him on my fantasy team as well, but when you look at the routes last game, again, it's it's very, very simple shit, and they're not asking him to do a lot. And that kind of that kind of matchup for a guy like Stefan Gilmore is not difficult at all to take away from. And you compare that to a route tree like Tyler Lockett's last week, like this is this is what you would say a nuanced wide receiver is. So overall, like the Patriots are just not a team that lets up big plays down the field. And that's what DK Metcalf is. He runs a lot of seams, a lot of routes, and just a lot of like, you know, post kind of routes. And the Patriots defense is designed like to take away those those types of big plays. And that's where Metcalf does his damage. And I feel like this is going to be a game where, you know, Metcalf will probably go like four for 55, four for 60, something like that. If he gets lucky and gets in the end zone, then this call is going to look really bad. But I'm not expecting a lot of big plays from Metcalf. I don't expect them to have a lot of blown coverages down the field or whatever. So you got to love that they're finally letting Russ earn his fucking paycheck. But I don't for a second trust that they're going to continue to do that, man. They have been a run-first team for the last like five, six, eight years under Pete Carroll. I don't think they're going to continue to let Russ just throw the ball. But and he didn't even throw the ball that many times. I know everyone's going nuts about how, how Russ, you know, they finally unlocked him last week. He threw the ball 35 times. It's not like an outrageous amount. He threw the ball like 33 times a game last year. And they're playing against the Falcons. So I'm a little bit worried about DK Metcalf in this one. That That's where I'll leave that, okay? Quarterback. I have one quarterback on this list. Of course, there are others that are probably good starts. But Ryan Tannehill is a guy that's ranked as quarterback 20 right now in ECR. I have him down borderline quarterback one. So QB 12, 13. I know the Titans want to use Derrick Henry more than like Animal uses his bowl. And that's fine. Okay. They could run him into the ground. They did last week. And Ryan Tannehill still ended up with like 19 and a half, 20 fantasy points. Perfectly fine showing for a streaming quarterback. They also did that last year. They played Jacksonville and Derrick Henry went nuts. He went for like 150 total yards, two touchdowns. In that same game, Ryan Tannehill had 32 fantasy points, okay? It's not either or. And it won't be either or because it'll be both of them against Jacksonville, this shitty, shitty defense. Now, I know they showed up in week one. That's not going to be the norm. We know that this is a bad defense. They got rid of all their skill players, most of their star players. They don't have much on that side of the ball. And I think the Tennessee Titans offense will expose that. And surprisingly, last week, Tennessee actually ranked sixth in pace of play while feeding Henry the ball 31 times. It didn't seem like they were looking to hurry the game up at all, but they actually were. And again, I love I love streaming quarterbacks at home. You know, it's not just a Big Ben or a Drew Brees thing. Like almost every quarterback plays way better fantasy wise when they are at home. And uh, Tanny was good on the road last week, 19 and a half fantasy points in Denver. Tough environment, tough place to play, especially coming off this summer. And I think uh, I think he has enough like legitimate weapons that can make plays after the catch with AJ Brown, Jonu Smith, getting Derrick Henry a little bit more involved in the passing game. Um, you see me hesitating to say Corey Davis there. You could do what you want with the name Corey Davis. I'm not about to make it a point that Corey Davis had a good game, but I, I think this passing offense is going to be a little bit more versatile and a little bit more high powered than we imagined. So I like Ryan Tannehill as a borderline quarterback one this week a lot. Tight ends. I like a lot of tight ends this week, man. Uh, I talked about, who did I talk about in the beginning? OJ Howard is a sneaky play. He's not someone I'm, I'm lo- like 
he's more of a desperate play, but I think you could do a lot worse than OJ Howard. Guys, I love, you know, like Jared Cook, man. Jared Cook, I, I, I yelled about him all offseason. My favorite late round tight end pick. With Michael Thomas out, Jared Cook is going to go fucking nuclear. Not only against Las Vegas, but for the remainder of the month. He's going to be a top five tight end for the next month as long as Michael Thomas is out. Of course, it's going to benefit Emmanuel Sanders a little bit. He's going to get a lot more targets now that Thomas is out. But I think Cook and Kamara are going to be the main beneficiaries, to be honest. Cook had a 23.3% target share last week. More impressively, he had the single highest air yard share amongst all tight ends in the NFL in week one. He had 43.6% of the team's air yards. Jared Cook is a downfield playmaker. He gets targeted in the red zone. Five for 80 last week. Didn't get in the end zone, but five for 80. Dating back now, 11 regular season games. 11 regular season games for Jared Cook. He has scored double-digit half PPR fantasy points in 10 out of 11. That streak will continue on Sunday against the weak Raiders passing defense. They don't have other weapons there that go beyond the line of scrimmage, that go beyond 5 or 10 yards. It's Jared Cook's territory, and he is going to continue to eat. If you had George Kittle, if you have any of these banged up, hyped up, early pick tight ends, Jared Cook is that dude for you, okay? Logan Thomas is another dude who's super, super interesting. We heard the hype all summer, and then week one clarified that the hype was warranted. Played on 77.6% of snaps. A 26.7% target share. He led the team in targets over Terry McLaurin. That 26.7% target share, second amongst all tight ends in week one. Fourth amongst tight end in air yards. And again, more importantly, second amongst all tight ends in air yard market share on his own team. Only behind Jared Cook. I don't need to yell at y'all explaining to you about how Arizona stinks against tight ends. Arizona ran 82 plays on Sunday. 82 with the fifth fastest pace in the NFL. That's not going to change. You get a dub, you don't change the game plan. They're going to continue to do that, especially against this ferocious offensive line or ferocious defensive line from the Redskins, from the football team. Apologies. They're not going to try to run the ball up the middle. They're going to go quick, fast pace, get them tired, quick hitting, screens, slants, yada, 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 yada. Yo, Logan Thomas, three comes into play. Arizona's going to run a lot of plays, meaning Washington's going to have to run a lot of plays. I like Logan Thomas as a borderline tight end one. I'm starting him over a lot of guys. I have Logan Thomas as my tight end 12. I have him above Austin Hooper. I can't wait till you guys watch this. And Austin Hooper went like five for 70 and two touchdowns last night. I have him above Hayden Hurst. I have him above Noah Fant. I have him above Evan Ingram, Mike Kosicki, Jack Doyle, Chris Herndon. I am moving Chris Herndon up a little bit. Where are you, Chris Herndon, now that Jamison Crowder is out for, well, he was out of practice with a hamstring injury, and he is 50-50 to suit up for Sunday. That's the case. Chris Herndon, he's going to get a shitload of targets. I'll move him up right above Hayden, uh, Hayden Hurst. Now, I know everyone's like, oh, juicy matchup for Hayden Hurst. Hayden Hurst, Hayden Hurst, Hayden Hurst. He was a guy we liked this summer. We didn't get as high as most people did on him. Listen, here's a sobering reality check. Matt Ryan just threw for 450 yards, and Hayden Hurst had 30 receiving yards. Fellas, fellas and fellettes. That's weird, fillets. Like I'm fucking flaying you like salmons. Y'all get the point. 30 receiving yards when Matt Ryan threw for 450. It's time to stop getting cute. He is still streamable, but stop putting him in like the tight end 8, 6, 8, 9 range, okay? It's just not happening right now. We want to see it before we start throwing him back into our lineup. So Logan Thomas, legitimately a tight end one this week. Get him into your lineups. 
Get the rest of these guys into your lineups. If you need other lineup decisions, you need other help, patreon.com slash BDGE. You will get my weekly rankings. Tomorrow, I go live on YouTube at noon, 1 p.m. Eastern time. Every Saturday, helping you all with your sit-star questions. It's a private live stream for the Patreons. We do put it up on YouTube afterwards. But if you want to be inside the live stream and inside the live chat to ask me questions, you sign up on Patreon. So you get the rankings, you get the live stream, you get access to our Discord channel, which has about 3,000 people in it. We have tons of channels in there. We have trade reviews, we have roster reviews, we have sit starts, we have waiver wire, all the channels, including, you know, joining a dynasty league in the offseason, joining season long leagues in the summer. It's all available to y'all Patreon. So patreon.com slash BDGE. One other thing I want to do. And y'all have probably seen me talk about Monkey Knife Fight. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to make my favorite picks on Monkey Knife Fight for this week. And on Monkey Knife Fight, they do some of the, probably the funnest player games on here where you're like picking fantasy points and they have fantasy challenge and touchdown dance and et cetera, et cetera. And I'm going to go into the LA Philly game, but I want to show you something else that they have, which is like, basically you can either choose an individual game or you could choose this plethora of early games. So the star shootout. And one of my favorite things to do is touchdown dance in the early shootout games. You can pick three players and you have to exceed this number down here. So three and a half, four and a half, or five and a half between the three players combined. Last week, we absolutely fucking killed this within the first quarter. We went with uh, Jacobs, Christian McCaffrey, and Dalvin Cook. I had to put them over two and a half touchdowns. They combined for seven. So we killed that. They moved the lines up though, because they know these running backs are scoring. So you can do the touchdown dance. And you can smash Derrick Henry. You could smash Christian McCaffrey. And I would smash Zeke against the Falcons, against the Jaguars. Tampa Bay is obviously a very tough matchup for C-Mac. They've had his fucking number over the last year. Uh, but he'll probably still get in the end zone. So you pick these three, and you can go three over three and a half. So you need four total touchdowns between the three of them. That will get you one and a half X times your money. You can go over four and a half. So you get three X your money with that. But my favorite play, again, we're going to go to new game. And if you're new to Monkey Knife Fight, when you deposit any, any money up to $50, if you use the promo code BDGE, you'll get a 100% deposit match on that. So if you go deposit 10 bucks, you use that promo code, you'll get $20 to play with. Thus, you could spend more money on these games. And my favorite game is LA versus Philly. And we are going to hit, where was it? It was, there was something with Jared Goff and Carson Wentz. Okay, no, I think it was the passing yards. Where are you? Nah, dude, did they take it down? I feel like it was up as soon as I... Oh, it was a passing hour. It was the first fucking one on the screen. Okay, so my favorite one right now, for real, is the more or less, it's the first one up here, and you have to get two of two correct. So you have to pick more or less on both of these guys. So with Jared Goff, I'm going to smash the over. I just don't think the Philly pass defense is very good. Basically, what I'm getting at here is like, both of these teams are going to have to play high pace. Both of these teams are going to have to throw immediately because they're not going to have success running the ball. We know the Philly offensive line is in shambles right now, and it did not look good last week, which means they're going to have to throw the ball a lot, and they're going to have to use their playmakers downfield. With Aaron Donald getting to the quarterback, it's going to be a lot of screens, which means a lot of yak yards. I think 250 is very reasonable for Carson Wentz. And Jared Goff on the other side. Like, the Philly defense is a pass funnel, right? Their run defense is fucking godlike. And that means opposing teams have to pass the ball a lot against them. And I like this as a bounce back game for Jared Goff in the yardage department. They're going to throw the ball a lot downfield. We're going to have Carson Wentz throwing the ball a lot. We're going to have Jared Goff throwing the ball a lot. I don't see success on the ground for either of these teams, which means probably 
37 to 40 attempts for both quarterbacks here. So we're going to take the more. We're going to take the more on both of them. We're going to throw 10 beaners. If we win, we get 30 from them. A light 30 spot. We're going to hit submit. Skirt. And boom. And you could see some of my other games that I did. Last night, I took Chubb and Mixon over 14 and a half fantasy points. Full PPR for the Thursday night game. I think uh, that's a smash spot. They actually moved Chubb down to 13 and a half before I, after I made this bet, unfortunately. Um, but you guys will either be able to know if I'm an idiot or I made some money from this over 14 and a half full PPR fantasy points. Uh, I don't always post the picks that I make, but I do email them out. So if you are not a member of our email newsletter, make sure you go join that. All you got to do is go to bigdogsfantasy.com. And on the top, you could click on newsletter. And right there, you sign up. Just throw your email address in, and you will get our weekly newsletter every Monday morning. You will get our favorite monkey knife fight picks throughout the week. Thursday night football, Sunday night football, Monday night football, Tuesday night football, Wednesday night football, all the footballs. Sign up for the newsletter on the same website. Uh, again, if you want to hit the shop and browse some of our swag, we've got the hats up there. We've got crew necks. We've got the Y yelling T-shirts. We've got hoodies. we got stickers. We got it all, baby. And that is all I got for you all today. So thank you for joining me on week two's rankings must start players of thy week. Hit that thumbs up button if you enjoyed. Subscribe to the channel if you're new. Robert, thank you for editing this video. Patreon.com slash BDGE. I'll see y'all in the funny papers. time inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.